Just when you thought it was baseball season, the snow comes back. And just when you thought, well, maybe this Cleveland bullpen is going to be a good spot of the team. It's got some warts. So not all as, as it seems to be in April. We'll see what happens in May. Hopefully there won't be snow in May. Hopefully the Indians bullpen turns it around in May. Uh, we'll find out. There's still a couple weeks to go. I'm Justin Latta. I'm joined by... Spencer Carlson, Spencer, I don't know if the snow out was more. I mean, it wasn't even – it didn't even – I, I guess it makes sense. They, they called the game for safety purposes. But um, definitely more annoyed by the bullpen right now and than I than I was the snow out, even though it stopped snowing by the time the game could have been played. Yeah, man, the uh, mop-up duty guys in the bullpen have been uh, pretty atrocious uh, lately. So it has not been a fun past couple of days besides about Shane Bieber. Yeah, this has been yeah Shane Bieber. Literally, it's been literally been Shane Bieber. Everything else has not been a bright spot. Like, there's not even anybody else you can point to in the lineup that you. You know, Jose Ramirez is still Jose Ramirez, but he's been kind of in a funk. Fernando Reyes has been hot and cold. Outside I of got, that, there's there's nobody else I you can my, point to. Uh, that good. I got my MVP odds on Bowers at a low price. So, just waiting for that ticket to cash. Man, the year to be sitting on some. Some big time money. You could even buy a house in this market if you cash in on that. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I always like I always like donating to charity occasionally. <laughs> that you're definitely donating to some bookies kids uh college one. For I'm sure. Maybe by that. the time this kid goes to college, he can afford it. <laughs> That's a whole long story. Oh, I don't know. There's there's a whole thing, a smorgasbord of things to talk about. I don't know where you want to start. You want to start with uh the red series? Do you want to talk about the odd game that was Yankees and Indians on Thursday night. Uh, ben Gamble's gone. Where do you want to start? Uh, we don't need to pick on Ben Gamble anymore. Uh, we've picked on him plenty. Uh, I would like to start first by saying how Anthony Gonzalez said on Pat McAfee's show that legal gambling is coming to Ohio. So that's uh, going to ruin me and my family probably. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I probably want to talk about the Red Series. Uh I was very amazed by the Logan Allen start with the way he settled in at the start, but imploded, which was the exact opposite of his other two starts. Yeah. How weird was that? Like the first, usually it's the first or second starts that he just couldn't get out of his own way, but he managed to get through them without, you know, completely losing it. And then in first and second inning, you're like, Oh, looks like he's, you know, starting to break free of those issues. The third inning came you know, you know what's – he even walk a batter and not start. He faced no, five he pitchers. Was, five, he was still he missing. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was all over the place, but it wasn't all over the place for four straight pitches. He was – his command was bad enough to leave it in the zone where Reds hitters could hit it. And he did, he did hit a pitcher or hit it batter, I should say, and then he had a wild pitch. So command's still an issue, but it's just mind-boggling to me like he – He's had issues with walks, which he was – he had good command in spring training. Training stats are a great predictor of the regular season. Um, he still has fastball. He always has. and I, I, His fastball has never been a good fastball. It's an average fastball 
that he needs good command of because he doesn't throw it above 94 and it doesn't have high spin. It's just a very plain fastball. So he, well, the slider has been really good for him. He's, he's, uh, when he's throwing the slider, uh, it's a great, don't really have anything else to go with it at the moment. So I, I mean, I don't think he's in any danger of, of losing his rotation spot or anything anytime soon. Like, there's plenty of reasons to just kind of let him work through this. And that's, that's kind of the theme I'm going to kind of pitch to you on this, this episode, Spencer, is that I think the way things are right now for the end of the season, require a lot of patience and, and we can, I'm going to apply that to almost every player we talk about today is patience. And I think one of them is Allen. It's going to take some patience to get him through because this is the first time in his major league career that he's getting a chance to start every fifth day. And he's only 23. 20 major league innings and 10 or this season. It's gonna I, take I, I, uh, I tend to agree. And I was listening to the broadcast uh, with Hammy when Logan Allen was making a start. And I noticed that once he said it, I even looked back at it. He seems to get himself rattled inside of his head when he goes out of the stretch, which is very odd because his windup is very much similar to his stretch because he doesn't have an old-fashioned windup. He goes from the side, so he should actually feel comfortable in the stretch, but he seems once someone gets on base to get rattled, and then his ball percentage goes up pretty drastically once someone gets on base. Yeah, definitely a strange issue. He and he and Aaron Savali both have kind of had that modified windup. Like it worked for Carlos Carrasco. It saved his career for, you know, to one extent. It's method. I, like I said, I think some of this is just new to him. Yeah, you know, absolutely. He's, 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 since coming to Cleveland, he's changed a lot. Like multiple has talked about how he's, he's learned all these new things with Cleveland and he, he keeps saying he's, you know, he's five or whatever it is, two times, ten times better pitcher than he was with San Diego just with all the stuff he's been coached up in Cleveland. And, and that may be true, but it takes some time for him to realize that he's against major league hitters. Like, yeah, he's got – oh, that's strange. He's got a, uh, a 57% strand rate as a pitcher, which is odd. So that means that is – as much struggles as Logan Allen has had, he's still leaving a lot of runners on base and getting out of them, which is pretty lucky for him. Yeah, so, I also think that's a little bit skewed because I think he's – I think that's a little skewed because I think either once or twice he's got out of base in loaded situations early on in, like, the first inning, so. Right, that says that there's – that he's, he's getting out of some situations, which is a good thing, but he also might be getting a little bit lucky. Uh, that's a pretty yeah. high strand rate for him. Which is uh, – which is causing high pitch counts, and he's only getting to the fifth inning. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. I, I'm pretty sure that uh, if you had told me coming into the season can't pitch more than five innings most of his starts, I wouldn't be surprised. I still think Cleveland's probably going to be very careful with his innings, especially given his age and uh, where he's been in his career. Yeah, that makes but sense. I, I mean, has he absolutely, but in, in no way, shape, or form do I think that he's in any danger of losing his spot, nor should he be. I don't, I don't think there's even any reason to talk about that. Am right. I wrong? Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. 
You know what's what's really frustrating? We're talking about this red series. <laughs> that offense on Friday night against the Reds scored what three runs against right. Jeff Hoffman. Jeff Hoffman, okay. Jeff Hoffman's career was like he was he was a big part of that David Price, not David Price, the uh, Troy right. Tulowitzki trade. The the Blue Jays traded to Colorado and the Troy Tulowitzki trade back in I want to say 2015, and his in Colorado. And I know the Reds have kind of been themselves lately, and they've they've uh, revamped some of the some pitchers that have come in there. I know Matt Whit- Whistler, who was there was uh, Lucas Sims has been one of the guys they've kind of saved too, and he's been pretty speaking, good. Speaking of Lucas Sims, did you see what he did last night? I just today <laughs> it was that was the funniest thing I've seen all year, and I've watched I've watched Yerman Mercedes pitch. Right, like I think that was. That that umpire didn't know how much he got owned. He didn't know what to do. He's like, this guy has me in a pickle right now. He's got me in my. He's boxing me in. <laughs> if, if you if you haven't seen the video, go look at it. But basically, it was the Reds and I don't know who they were playing on that on that day. But uh, it was freezing rain. Like it was uh, it was Tuesday when it when it snowed here, and it was freezing rain in Cincinnati. And the and the umpire he kept calling for a new ball from the catcher. The catcher threw him like two new balls. He threw them both away. The umpire comes out and throws him three new balls, and each one of them, uh, Lucas Sims throws towards the dugout. The umpire just turns around and throws his hands off. He's like, I don't know what to do. Uh, <laughs> and then, then I think they pulled the tarp. I think they had to lay after that. Like uh, Lucas Sims is basically just saying, I can't pitch in this weather. Figure it out. <laughs> Lucas and, Sims is the first guy that ruled over the umpire that says, we're going into a rain delay. <laughs> he did. That was great. That was one of the best moments of the season so far. So uh, That was so funny. That was great. That was a fun moment. We need some fun moments, even if it wasn't against Cleveland. But yeah, they got seven hits and one run off Jeff Hoffman. If you want, if you ask me, scoring one run off Jeff Hoffman, and I, Jeff Hoffman's had a decent year, so maybe I'm. Well, if you remember back that. to that game too, they were tattooing the ball, and it was just making loud outs everywhere. Like they had the warning track power, they were hitting missiles. I mean, Hoffman wasn't pitching good. Yeah, maybe maybe it was a com- combination combination of bad luck there. You're right. I was just thinking, like, getting one run off Jeff Hoffman almost feels as bad as getting no hit. Like, you yeah. should be – off of Jeff Hoffman, you should be scoring more runs. You should just be scoring Can't more score runs in general. Per- well, yeah, but I'm just trying to further the point that the no-hitter doesn't matter because their offense is still bad. Like, it didn't really matter. Agreed. 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 Run – that was pretty rough to watch. Uh, oh, Saturday. The Saturday game. <laughs> you know what? I, a lot of people, and I'm, I'm, I, this is another one I, I have to harp on about patience here. A lot of people were ready to like throw Josh Naylor on, a, on an airplane back to Arizona after he made that error. But back in the beginning, they scored two runs. I'm sorry, but if you expect to be winning – Game scoring two runs. That's just ass. You're not in the major leagues. You're not going to win a lot of games scoring two runs. That's the first problem. Not not that Naylor made the error, but that they've had two runs and they expect them to be winning. They're lucky they were winning at two, with two runs because uh, Tristan McKenzie pitched a decent ball game and the bullpen wasn't terrible until the end. So I'm, not, I'm I know Josh Naylor made the error that opened the floodgates. I'm not pinning that on Josh Naylor a because they should have scored more than two runs and b. 
How about I mean, and I know Josh Naylor has come up as a first baseman. Like he was a first baseman in the minors, but he hasn't been at first base at all this year in twenty twenty or twenty twenty one. And he's in there with a one run lead in the ninth inning and playing first base. Meanwhile, the guy who's basically on the team because he's out of options, but because he also is the best defender the team has at that position, Jake Bowers, is on the why why if you're all of all times not to have Jake Bowers in in, in the game, why is he not in there there? So right. for all the people who want to pin that loss on Jake on, on Josh Naylor. Yeah, he made the error, and he should have made that play. It, was an easy, it wasn't a hard play. That should have been a, a no-doubter. But there are other circumstances that caused the loss. It wasn't Josh Naylor on his own. One is scoring two runs, and the other is Jake Bowers probably should have been in there. I mean, this defense isn't getting better until Bobby Bradley gets called up, if you ask me. But uh, Yes, noted, goal, noted defensive genius Bobby Bradley. It should be I mean, future gold glover Bobby Bradley. Uh, and let's not, it's I, not a knock on Bobby Bradley. We're not trying to pick on Bobby Bradley. Just that's a I mean, take. I'm just, I'm just being sarcastic. I mean, I still want to see Bobby Bradley at some point this season. But I just don't I mean, think that we're we're crapping on Bobby Bradley. Like it's not this is not his fault either. But I mean, I'm just picking not, on his weaknesses. I'm not picking on his strengths. Yeah, he can hit a ball 500 feet. I can't hit a ball 500 feet. He wins. <laughs> Bobby Bradley's better than I am. <laughs> the, the, the reason to call Bobby Bradley up is not his glove. I mean, people keep thinking it is, which I don't understand. Um. So here's the thing is like or even like with the Bobby Bradley thing. Bobby Bradley is 26. What Naylor you said is what 23? Yes, he's 20. Bradley's 25 and, and he's 20. Playing, he's like playing right field and then first base like and I understand he's like played first base before but like at the same time if you're not willing to go through growing pains with young talent then you're never going to find out what you have. And I understand that sounds kind of contradictory cuz I am very over Jake Bowers, but Jake Bowers is also had 700, 800, 900 plate appearances. Um, Naylor seems to be a little bit more consistent at the plate, like 260, decent OPS this year. Yeah, he's had a couple blunders on the field, but who cares? Like, he's been some, one of the more guys who's been a little bit consistent, a little bit of bad luck on his line drives. I don't really think there's an issue when you're scoring, like you said, two runs in a game or three runs in a game and expecting to win it. Is it frustrating? Absolutely. Yeah, airs suck and really piss you off. So that's a playoff game. I'm probably very mad at Josh Naylor. It's April, whatever it is, 18th. I'll be over it in two hours after the game. Uh, it doesn't involve being demoted down to the minors because he made an air. That's that's astounding to me. And then and then he made the base running play against the White Sox on Monday, where he ran at home on an infield hit and he blew through Sarbaugh's stop sign. And people were like, I've seen, I've seen enough of Josh Naylor. Send him down. Like, okay, like you're talking I'm, – I'm, first of all, I am so tired of talking about this first base situation. I'm, I'm, I'm so over I, that. So I'm over I, I, could right. not, I could not rather wish in my whole life that I would have a Matt Olson on my team instead of a Jake Bowers slash Yu Chang slash Josh Naylor. But that's not the world we live in. It, it's not just that we're talking about it because it's a, it's a team – I'm tired of talking about it because it's April 22nd and as over Jake Bowers as you are and other people are, they, they, again, I I keep, I know I've said this multiple times on this podcast and other places, they chose to go with Jake Bowers. Like they, out of spring training that they, they felt like they need to stay a little bit longer. And 
yes, he's had almost 900 career plate appearances, and he is 25. 25's not that old. Um, 900 career plate appearances is it's quite a lot. It's not a lot, but it's, it's quite a lot. I know, but at the same time, most of these guys say, you know what you have by about a thousand plate appearances. Like you're pretty much at that point with him. Like he's at his thousand plate appearances. You know what you have. And he looks more lost than he did when he was 22. Yeah. I I don't, I don't, I do not disagree with you on that. I think out of those 900 plate appearances, you can probably say for about 600, he's been pretty lost. He had about 300, one day he had hit for the cycle in Detroit in 2019 and two months he had with, with Tampa Bay when he came up before the league Agreed. figured him out. But Agreed. my point, my point is they made this decision out of spring training. And I, I agree. I think we've seen enough. I, I still don't think April 22nd, the day, like that's my whole point. If they decided to make this decision out of spring training, just let it go. Roll with it. I know it's, I mean, I, 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 I know I sound like the devil's advocate in this, but it'd be completely different if it was two if it was two oh eight with two home runs. It's a buck twenty with two RBIs and one was a forced ground out. Like he's just just cut bait. Sometimes I understand it's only April and you gotta figure stuff out, but you figured it out. Just t- I like I said last week, just take the L on this one. If if he goes up and ends up being a great platoon first baseman somewhere else or an outfielder, you lost the trade. You know, you kind of screwed it up. That's fine. Just live with it. He's not doing anything like, for you. First of all, can we say that the trade hasn't been lost? Like, Jake Bowers has been terrible. Yandy Diaz went Yes. Okay, I guess I'd rather – I obviously, I'd rather have Yandy Diaz at first base than, than Jake Bowers because Yandy Diaz OBP is like 340. That's great. Yeah. Uh, the, dude's, the dude's got a higher OBP than slugging percentage. Like, his OBP is like 340. His slugging percentage is like 336. So, even if you put Yanni Diaz at first base, you're still getting below league average production out of first base because first base is a position where you need to have power. I'll yeah, take the, yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll take you'll take the his team needs it and it's better than Jake Bowers. I still think yeah, like, uh, like Diaz has not turned uh, stud. Yeah, I, and I agree, but I would still rather take like fifteenth to twentieth league production out of first base than dead last. Because I can guarantee you, I'm not even looking right. at it. I'm not even looking at it. I know we have to be dead last at first base. We have to be. I mean, it's pretty it, obvious. It's pretty bad. No, it's, you're right. It's 100% the worst. And, and Yu Chang's not really helping the situation. I thought Yu Chang was supposed to be a, a 30 home run hitter. Yeah, man. Told. He was 25 and 75 out of playing gold glove shortstop. Yeah. I, it, either of them was, And the problem is, Bobby Bradley's not going to solve this issue either. Like, it's you want. I still say you need to get a look at him, obviously, because he's still worth. He's still good enough to where you need that. You need to figure out if he can do it or not. I just don't think he is. Um, yeah, they're first, just they're rotating a bunch of quadruple A baseball players who have humongous right. flaws in their system at first base, which is a position since the dawn of time that needs run production out of it. I I think if you took between Naylor playing first base. And Bowers playing first base, Yu Chang playing first base. I think you have zero home runs and four RBIs. Like that's oh. just that's just. It, we're twenty is, games this, into the season, Justin. Spencer, this is really bad. This is this is worse than you thought it was. Okay, I'm listening. Uh, at first base, not including Thursday stats, at third base, at first base, 
Cleveland is dead last in uh, weighted runs created plus, which league average is a hundred. Take a guess. At. Take a guess where they're at. Just take a quick. Thirty nine. Oh, you are so hopeful, Spencer. You are so you want to give them the seventeen. Benefit of the doubt. Are you kidding? What is it? <laughs> it's twenty seven. Oh my! Can wait, Justin. They are seventy. They are almost a full eighty points below league average offensively. Tampa can you Bay. Find a, can you find like a weighted of that of that same stat we just had there with like that pitchers is on NL of pitchers of, on NL teams and see if it's uh, higher than first base on the Indians? I can't. Today with Yandy Diaz at first base, and I think I think Yoshi Satsugo or something sitting at first base. Yandy's not playing. God, seventy-nine, seventy-nine is at least. Yeah, it's worse. Cleveland's almost eighty. Jesus. Uh, it's really Jesus. I, yeah, man. I, I don't think I don't think it's ready to cut ties. No, I think it's ready to cut ties. I didn't think the number went that low. All right, you're you're, you're right. Uh, I think you're right. Um, oh, man, that's oh my god! You know when you get like the the PFF grade in football and you can't understand why a grade can go any lower, and then you see Mac Wilson has like a twenty nine. That's how I felt oh, for man. you telling me that for for you telling me that first base stat. Um, it gets worse than that. It gets worse. I'm listening. Um, the work, the best, the best hitting pitching team, okay, in the National League. Atlanta is the has the best pitching. Has the best offensive stats of any pitchers. Josh Tomlin. Yeah, Josh Tomlin, great hitter. Uh, they actually have a positive war as as a, as a, as hitters for Atlanta. <laughs> Two war. Their weighted runs created plus twenty nine. Two points better than Cleveland's <laughs> first base. Oh the Atlanta we pitchers. We have to tweet. That. Atlanta pitchers have a better offensive, have more offensive production. Than Cleveland's you, first base spot. Can you? Can you? Please, oh my we god! We can keep the podcast going. Can you please tweet that? Holy cow! Oh my god! Oh, I okay. Yeah, I I didn't realize how bad it was. It's. I'm still going to keep saying it's only April because I don't want to overreact and say it's 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 only April because it is. But it is hard to be that bad. It is. But it's hard. not like it's not like April versus the Dodgers. We've played the Tigers six games. It's bad. Yeah, it's not bad. I never – here I am saying, hey, Indians fans, don't overreact, and here I am heated for you telling me stats. It's bad. It's bad. Okay, it's bad. It, it can't go anywhere but up. That's the thing. It can't go anywhere but up. Obviously, they're uh, There's the game tomorrow. I don't know what you're talking about. So here, here's my other – there is a game tomorrow. You're right. Here's, here's my – okay, here's my pitch for that. Not Bobby Bradley. If you want to move on from Jake Bowers, that's fine. It's bad. Um, I still think it looks stupid. Sad as he is, I still think it looks stupid to say this was our decision out of spring training. April 22nd, we're going to give up on it. That makes it look even worse because it makes it look like the bad decision it always was. But because you decided to cut bait so early, it looks worse. Um, don't call up Bobby Bradley. Call up Daniel Johnston. Move Josh Naylor back to first base. And... Roll with Johnston and, and Luplo in center. Or, I'm sorry, roll with Johnston and Rosario in center and play Luplo in right field full-time. Against, again, we're going to talk about that. But uh-huh. play him full-time, move Naylor back to first instead of Bobby Bradley. You know what? 
and I'm I'm on board with that. You know what's insane? That the Indians at one point in the last couple of days look American League and home runs, and they have zero out of first base. To be fair, to to be fair, Atlanta's pitchers don't have any home runs either, Spencer. Give it another month. Tomlin's going deep. (laughs) He might. (laughs) I can't believe that. I was just thinking, like, I heard him the other day that the Indians lead the American League in home runs, and they literally have no actual qualified run production out of first base, the place where almost all the home runs come from in Major League Baseball. You said they lead the league at home runs. That's true. They led the AL. I think it was either Saturday. What day did they hit like three bombs? I don't know. It was pretty That's recent. It was, last, last, it was like last two or three games. But yeah, the Indians led the American League in home runs, and they had zero out of first base. That's crazy. What a world we live in. That's the beauty of baseball, baby. Uh, so I'm thinking that's that right now. That's absurd. Dead air. <laughs> I just I, I just can't get over I can't I'm get just, over that stat. Hey, sorry guys. Sorry guys. We're just trying to like tweet out the craziest stat of all time. I cannot get over that stat. I just can't. It's so bad. And it's first base. Like, if you told me it was, like, catcher or shortstop, like Roberto Perez or uh, a really good defensive shortstop, I'd say, well, that's still bad. But, you know, Roberto Perez gives you a ton of off- a defensive value and, and at least a good a good defensive shortstop is still something. You what's just – that, that is – you cannot – you cannot have a pitcher hitting – be better than your first base position. That's just in the American League. <laughs> oh man! What's what's more impressive? The Browns going zero sixteen or having a, a weighted runs created plus of twenty nine in the American League? I don't know, man. Pitchers, pitchers hitting is really bad. Like pitchers should not hit, man. That's pretty You're bad. Not, we were literally sitting here saying pitchers shouldn't hit. Like they should. <laughs> They should give the Indians two designated hitters because we don't even qualify to have a hitter at first base. I don't know, man. man. All right, we have have to move on from this because otherwise I'm just going to sit here with my jaw on the floor after that. Okay, so what – okay, the Josh Naylor thing real quick. Um, He made those two mistakes. He made the error. He made the the error at first base, made the base running error. He's three, and he's been playing out of position in the outfield. He comes back to play the infield. After not playing at all, like I said, the one spot that Jake Bowers made some sense was right there, right? I don't know why he wasn't in the game. Um, right. Josh has 471 career plate appearances. That's that's not quite a full season. That's like just below a full season. Right. So you're, you're telling me that there are people out there who, and I, I don't always agree with this, like, you know, saying, oh, this guy's a top 100 prospect because those things are arbitrary. It depends on who does them and guys who aren't top 100 prospects are good and guys who are top 100 prospects stink like Jake Bowers. Um, but Josh Naylor's 23 has less than a full season's worth of plate appearances and has been a, a 100 prospect across multiple evaluator outlets. Right. Or just like, oh, I'm tired and let's go. What? Yeah. Okay. So look, again, I, this, is my, uh, this is my whole ahead. thing. This is my whole thing. Logan Allen, it's going to require some patience. Josh Naylor, it's going to require some patience. These guys don't have 
a full season of major league experience. They're some of the best prospects in, in San Diego's organization. So they were some of the best prospects in the Padres organization with good prospects. Right. If you're going to play young, and, and, and I know we keep, some people keep saying, well, Jake Bowers is so young. Yes, Jake Bowers is still a little bit young. I'm not saying he, and he's got more experience than those two guys. But truly, it is way too soon to be thinking about in the towel or like if you want to send some of these guys out to triple a or whatever to get some more seasoning i guess but logan allen and josh naylor have nothing left to prove at triple a they have to play at the major leagues they do right yeah it's, it's way so too soon you and i were talking about that. you and i were talking about naylor before the pod and there's been some bright spots in his game so far this year for, for me and i understand he had some defensive errors and trying to run through a sign i mean he's probably just trying to contribute to the team all learning mistakes the only thing i was concerned about and i told you about earlier was you know the guy was a 70 raw grade on power and he just doesn't have the launch angle to have that man like you said his in-game power was what a 45 he's playing very much towards that number instead I don't know what to make of the long. I, I don't know if he's – that's always been the knock is that he has great power and he just can't get to engage because he hits the ball on the ground too much. And right. now it seems like he's, pop, he's popping up too much. Like um, Pat Ellington tweeted, was tweeting about this earlier, uh, uh, future – well, I guess current IBI writer and future IBI writer. We were talking about this. Josh Naylor's average launch angle this year is like 13, not counting Thursday night's uh, stats. Right. 13. 13. Power hitter, like for power hitters, that launch angle's got to be like five to thirty-five. That's yep. the ideal range, um, and it's a thirteen. And thir- and crazy enough, thirteen is higher than first two years in majors as as playing time as he had. His launch right. angle was below ten, and now it's at thirteen. So it's gone up. But the reason it's gone up is because he's hitting a lot of pop-ups. He's hitting a lot of balls that are which 40 means and in the air. Yeah, he's popping everything up. He's yeah, hitting ground means, balls. Um, he's popping everything up. You know, when you see a guy ground out a lot on a low launch angle, but then is also popping up, that means he's trying to hit home runs. And you have people who didn't have that raw power potential who turned into decent power hitters, like back in the day of, like, Brantley turned into a 20-30 home run guy in Lindor. And you listen to both of them talk about their hitting. They're like, I stopped worrying about the launch angle of it. I just swung the bat. And I think Naylor is having a little bit of the, well, I know I have this because I do it in BP, but I can't do it in the game. And he's either grounding out or popping up which means he's definitely thinking about it too much. So if he were just go out there and swing the bat, he would just luck into a handful of home runs because he has that raw potential. So just what I've seen from the not only the numbers, but just what he's doing, like he's popping up and he's grounding out. So he's trying to do something too hard. He's just not letting the game come to him. But he's still That's hitting funny. Like you mentioned Michael Brantley. Oh, yeah? Why is that? Yeah, I mean, things should be better for Nail. Like, he should be hitting better. He has the offensive talent to be better. Um, and he's not. And then, part, like you said, part of it's due to launch angle. He hits. He still hits too many ground balls, and he still hits too many balls in the air uh, that yeah, are pop-ups. Yeah. It's funny that uh, you mentioned Michael Brantley. So, I said that Josh Naylor's uh, average launch his first two years and 10, and now it's 13. Uh-huh. Uh, Yanni Diaz, Yanni Diaz, the last two years, by the way, 
7.9 last year launching. Well, that's bad. <laughs> uh, this year it's negative 0.07. So Johnny Diaz has not figured it out. Tampa Bay has not sprinkled any magic on his swing. He he's just a lot and hits the crap yeah. out of the ball, but no different than Which is, he's so um, it's so insane with him that he can't just hit for power. His biceps are just ginormous. But yeah, so. Michael Brantley. Michael Brantley, kind of the same thing. Uh, his his career average launch angle is eleven point nine, barely right. above ten. Right. It's, that's not that's not ideal either. Now Brantley's not like a seventy raw power guy like Naylor. No, um, it always works. For Brantley, it's always and it's consi- it's consistently that ten to fifteen for him. Like he he keeps it in that range. The problem with Naylor is, or it's a sky high pop up. Yeah, so that's what I'm. That's was my whole point. Is and I listened. I mean, I've listened to them talk about it a lot of times. They're letting the game come to them, and that's how they end up hitting home runs. Like, not saying that they luck into them, but if they just play baseball, if you just play and don't think about it, then that launch angle will just come occasionally, and those home home runs will come. But if you start thinking about, I have to drive this ball like I do in batting practice, you're gonna start popping up and having humongous launch angles for 40 feet, or you're just going to drive the ball into the ground, which is what I actually think he's doing. I think he's thinking about it. He's like, I have zero bombs. I've only like hit one in Cleveland. I got to start hitting to produce like this to show what my scouting report said. Like, I think he's really actually thinking about hitting home runs, which is causing for his numbers to dip. Like Lindor, same way when he came up, they're like, ah, oh, this guy's never going to hit for power. And he's like, I just let the game kind of come to me. I never think about hitting home runs. I just end up doing it. I think that's the best way to do it, man. I think you should just let the game come to you. Let the pitcher make the mistake and just have a normal swing and see if it'll come to you. You have the power in your body. You literally have a 70 raw potential on your scouting report. Just let the ball come to you. But you want to know what? The only way that's ever going to happen is if he plays. And it's not going to happen if he's playing against AAA pitching. Agreed. Like he's got, I mean, it, it, there is a, there is a point where if a player is struggling, like they, and, the, and I, and I, and they kind of jerked Oscar Mercado around last year of playing time, but there, there does, there is a point where a player is struggling so badly that, yeah, they're, they're, they may need to go back to AAA and maybe try to work on some things in game, but it's never going to solve them. It's, it's going to solve whether or not he's can play in the major leagues. And yeah. Naylor, Naylor's oh, got to figure out the game coming to yeah. him in the major leagues. Yep. So that's that was my whole point too. And I always like when I talk baseball with people is like we're all baseball reference and fan graphs and baseball savant guys. You really have to when you dive into numbers also think about the mental aspect of it, and that and can't be quanti- and that can't be quantified in that scientific stats. You know, and it's like. Yeah, you're like, oh, I wonder why Oscar Mercado is struggling. Well, it may not be any flaw to his own. He just, like, literally might be mentally struggling, like the coaches are saying. And that's kind of like the same thing that's probably happening with Naylor. And when he makes mistakes out on the field or on the base paths, I feel like he's overcompensating for trying to not have that run production that's in his game, which is fine. Once again, he's 23. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not worried about Naylor at all. Just let him keep playing. I, I just I just take it over that some people are like, oh, ship him back to Arizona. I'm done. I I just that boggles my mind. Um, I want to see I want to see a a less tense Josh Naylor at the plate that just like swings freely, like just lets the ball track deep 
into, you know, and just swings away. Doesn't think about anything. Doesn't feel like he has to force the ball to go to left field. Like they said, he was trying to force the ball to go to left field. Don't get pool happy. Just play baseball, man. I really think that power and maybe Naylor never gets to 70 raw power, but if he gets to 50, like that's still a good major league player. Absolutely. If he gets to 50, he's not a lot different than Michael Brantley. Like that might be the player he could become if he just gets to average. I very much could see like 275 and 15 home runs consistently out of Naylor with good. I mean, he's, Never going to blow you away with his defense, but he could be a good defender. I mean, if you just give him time. So, like, he's right. like I, someone he's someone you can give a part in this lineup to for years to come. You're just going to have, once again, you're going to have to be patient with him. But the thing uh-huh. is, is even with his struggling, even with his struggling, this is the difference between, like, with what I was talking about with Naylor's and Bowers. You're talking the difference between a guy who's hitting 260, who's made a couple lapses, and a guy who's just completely lost. Yeah, there's a big difference there for sure. Ever and but again, he's again 23 and, and doesn't have a lot of major experience. Things are going to happen. Yep, you have to live with you have to live with that with all young players. Like, not every young player is Mike Trout or Francisco Lindor. Like, those guys are just very rare. Rookies just don't don't come up and don't make mistakes. Wish- every rookie, Johnson or Camaro. You think they're both not going to make mistakes? They are going to make mistakes. I would even like looking back to like, and a Lindor learned faster than most, and Mike Trout learned faster than most. If you go back to like Michael Brantley's first 600 plate appearances, he was a slap hitter. Not even kidding. That was his definition. And he turned out he hit like two, he hit like 260. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he was, was hitting singles. He didn't hit even, hit, he didn't even hit doubles. He just hit singles. That's it. He would hit right. one home run a season. And then he grew into his game, season two, three, and four. If you don't have that type of patience to find out that you have like a four or five time All Star and Michael Brantley out there who's almost going to get two thousand career hits, if you don't have that patience in the first place, then you're never going to see that happen. Do you remember Jose Ramirez's first couple of years, man? I do. Like, I'm not saying Josh Naylor is going to be Jose Ramirez. Obviously, nobody thought Jose Ramirez was going to be this good, but. Man, Jose Ramirez's first full season in the big leagues, or I'm sorry, first full season. Right. Ramirez had 266 plate appearances in the team. The dude hit 262 with a 300 OBP and had with 10 steals and 81 yep. WRC plus. Like he was, he was not literally he was just a fun utility player. I literally remember it. Yeah, that in 2015, they handed him a starting job again. 355 plate appearances. He had 219, so he got worse. And it was like, I mean, could you imagine it? And Josh Taylor was 23. So that's that's about oh, 600 plate appearances I right there for, for Jose Ramirez. Like, Jose Ramirez, right before, right before he took off and turning into the player he was, he was the 25th man on the roster who won an outfield job. He didn't win an infield job. He won an outfield left field job. And I think that's when Brantley was hurt. Yeah, it was and, 2016. Yeah, and he literally won the 25th spot on the roster, and then he turned into Jose Ramirez. So, right. like, you don't have that patience. You're never going to find out what these players are, and you've already seen it with a couple guys who've gone to other teams. Yeah, I understand, like, the Indians had seen enough of some of those guys, but, like, if you were to do it with everyone we hate right now on this team, uh, probably the the high probability is if you send them a couple guys somewhere else, they end up being very good baseball players. Yeah. 
I made the next Jake Bowers, and I don't know. I'm not going to get into the Gio Urshela thing either, but yeah, it just again, all these guys require patience. Same thing with when Daniel Johnson and Bobby Bradley come up after after 100 plate appearances. You can't just say those guys think send them down. Like that's just right. you know. And then those guys are 25 and have less major league experience. Think they're not going to be struggle more than Josh Naylor has. They're they're going to probably struggle more than he has. Um, again, and and then the other thing is with this. If you replace, like, if they were to replace Josh Naylor on the roster with Bobby Bradley or Daniel Johnson, that doesn't make this team any better. Like, bringing up, cutting or setting down one young player to bring up another young player doesn't make this team any better. It's only going to continue the inconsistencies. One way or another with this roster, you're going to have to exercise some patience. And I realize for fans, that's not exactly fun because it's going to, you know, lead to a lot of. Things that like that happened in Cincinnati and games that happened tonight, but it's not going to change. Like Michael Brantley and and Francisco Lindor and Carlos Santana aren't walking through that door. You're not sending, you're not cutting Jake Bowers. You're not you're not sending Naylor back to AAA to bring up Francisco Lindor or Carlos Santana or Michael Brantley. Like you're just going to keep bringing up guys less majorly experienced, and that's not going to lead this team to 90 wins. They're not going to get consistent because of that. All you're doing is finding out about more young players, which is fine. That's a good thing. They should, but you can't do right. it at the expense of guys who also need playing time, and you can't do it thinking that all the problems are going to be solved and the mistakes are going to be gone and the headaches are going to go away. Nothing's going to change. All you're going to do is find out more about different other guys. That's it. Yep. So this 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 whole podcast got away my plan got away that's fine it's been a, you know i think it's been a good conversation we're very good at that but like <laughs> we're, we're we're a free flowing podcast it is we don't have we, we try to be organized let's talk to talk about and try to like stay on point but then you know sensor yeah, gets like two, we're like two drunk guys at a bar sorry guys yeah it, it's also 10:30 on a thursday um i will say for saturday's madness at the ending Classe had a hard time. There were some bleeders and some ground balls. Like that wasn't all his fault, but he also he did let things snowball a little bit. I was encouraged by Tristan McKenzie in that start. The Reds have one of the best offenses in baseball. I know some of that's propped up by their small ball sequence, a very sustainable start. But McKenzie was only averaging like 90, 90 miles an hour in his fastball. He was throwing like 90, 92. That's the second start in a row that's happened to him. But he made it through five innings, and he allowed one run to a very good offense in a ballpark that's hard to pitch in, and he still struck out seven. I was extremely encouraged by that start. That that gave me a lot of confidence in Tristan McKenzie. And there's there, again, he's another young player. There's going to be ups and downs. And for him to be able to pitch around four walks, a small ballpark, a, a decent offense, throwing 90-92, I thought, I felt good about that start. Yeah, I did too. I did a lot. Um, <laughs> Dynamite dropping, Monty. <laughs> <laughs> you, you kill me, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what, what were you? Did you have anything to add? I move on. No, I didn't have anything to add because you talked about it for two minutes. I didn't know what else to say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Great point, Bob. Back to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Uh, it's like, uh, uh, yeah, he threw he threw a fastball also in that game. What else didn't you add, Justin? That's that's why they paid me the big bucks. Oh god, that, that was funny. <laughs> Hey, Spencer, pick up the slack. What else did you think? <laughs> oh, trying to kill some dead air here, okay? Um, <laughs> su- Sunday, oh, on Sunday was Shane Bieber. He remains a badass. Um, really encouraging to see him stop the bleeding. That's, that's kind of when you know. Like We already knew Shane Bieber was a true ace because he right. had him a Cy Young last year. But when, you, when you're hitting the skids like Cleveland was, those two losses, this is – for him to come in and, and pitch the way he did and and uh, give the bullpen a break and stop the bleeding, that's that's what you want with an ace. And he's coming in and he's stopping so, the The crazy thing with his start, and my tweet got no traction on it, which is very surprising because I, I did a lot of research on it. I only saw one other uh, Tribe writer guy tweet about it. Bieber's on pace, the way his April has gone, as long as he's healthy, is going to obliterate. Nolan Ryan's single season strikeout record. Like it, he's on pace to like just blow it out of the water. Do you do you remember when we watched Corey Kluber pitch and people were right. like, "Oh, we're, ne- we're never going to see this again." Well, right. How about that? <laughs> so right now, I, I, did, I was doing the K per nines and how many starts Bieber would make on what days he's starting. Like I did my research, and uh, you know Nolan Ryan in thirty nine starts in seventy three including 41 total appearances, struck out 373. Shane Bieber, with the way his strikeouts are going right now, in 34 appearances, will strike out 411 batters in one year. Just okay, my, that. my follow-up is that Shane Bieber's good. I have nothing else to add. That was <laughs> Thanks, Mom. It was such a good point that I have nothing else to add to. <laughs> Shane, Shane Bieber's good. Back to you, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, it's not like – Oh, he's he's kind of on pace. He could squeak it by by a couple. No, he's gonna on pace right now. He's on pace to beat it by fifty. Like that's just what. If he let's say he does it right, let's say he goes, let's say he goes like nineteen and seven because the offense stinks with like a two ish ERA and four hundred eleven strikeouts. Is that the best pitching season of all time? I mean, I know J.R. Richard back in like the 70s when guys weren't striking out like they are now strikeouts in the year so i guess in context like when you're talking about an era where strikeouts weren't as prevalent as they are today maybe that's the best but yeah hard to argue that if that if that were the case hard to argue that like we used to say like oh 200 innings and 200 strikeouts is really good you're striking out a batter an inning shane bieber said fuck that i'll strike out two batters in an inning He's <laughs> four. I don't. It's kind of like the difference between you see a single season, like a really good, like random Brady Anderson year of fifty-five home runs, and then just seeing seventy. That's kind of like the difference between like these three hundred strikeout seasons and just Baber out there out of nowhere with like four eleven that he's on pace for right now. So I mean, that's just up at wow. That's. Yeah, absurdity. And the thing is, is like if you go back and look at those seventies pitchers, their their appearances were wh- and their games started were way higher than what Bieber's going to have this year. Oh, and you're, and you're talking about guys that were throwing three hundred innings because yeah, they were throwing like ten complete games a year, if not more. I should I should have done the stat by like guys who've started over thirty games who has the highest K 
per nine. Because I feel like Bieber's has to be just either number one or number two if he does a whole season like this. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's got to be up there. It's like I said, we thought Corey Kluber was the the peak of Cleveland pitching, and <laughs> Corey Kluber. I never thought I would ever be like, "Well, would you look at that? Shane Bieber struck out the side again. That's something." <laughs> <laughs> oh my it's god! Well, it's like Carl. En- enjoy enjoy him, Justin. All right, we're. I'm not even gonna. That doesn't even qualify as a response. I, I, I don't have the mental capacity to get into that topic today. I just don't. Can we? I'm just, can we? Can we afford his arbitration? Yes, I think so. I think it'll be fine. That has never been the case in Cleveland before, so I, I don't think I'll start now. Maybe. Uh, we're just gonna skip over. Okay, so Sunday they won. That was good. I'm gonna Tuesday. They didn't get no hit by Carlos Rodon and, and Zach Plesak made it out of the first inning. So I guess consider that an improvement. I don't know. That's all I can really Zach say. Plesak, that. Zach Plesak has stunk. That's my, yeah, that's, that's my, a, that's, that's, a problem. That's, 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 that's my whole phrase to this. He is stunk. And I understand he just played the White Sox twice. Maybe they have his number, but I mean, they weren't good numbers. They were really freaking terrible. Like you had said, he's like, oh, he pitched better. Yeah, he turned a polished turd into a less polished turd. I mean, it just wasn't that freaking great, man. Yeah, I mean, he went from not getting out of the first to getting out of the first. That was a step up, and and the Indians actually scored runs off Kyle Sardon. So it was a, a positive step. Doesn't mean it was a good one. It just meant it was positive. Right. Um, and again, with Plesac, I know some people are like, oh, I'm worried about Plesac. I'm not. Like, again, like Logan Allen. I know Plesac's got more experience. He's 26, but we're not talking about moving on from Zach Plesac. We're not talking about Oh man, what's what's wrong? Like, yeah, it's not going to be good for this team if Zach Plesac is not their second best starter or their third best. Like, one of Plesac or Savali has to be their second best starter, and not not right. just by default. Like, they actually have to be a number two. Otherwise, it's going to be bad for this team. And uh, but I'm not at the point where I'm like, you know, running and super concerned about either of them, especially not Plesac. Like, it'll be fine. Just I would just going. I'd just cut him and call up Bobby Bradley. Bobby Bradley is going to play. He's going to, he's going to show Otani. And play first he's, yeah, he's going to do uh, Otante. He's going to DH and then uh, pitch on his days off. He is the answer to all Cleveland's problems. Yeah, I. You know what? I. I. I'm, I know we're joking, but I. I genuinely feel bad for Bobby Bradley because so do I. Yes, he, he, he works he, his he just, off. Right. He okay. Look, the guy deserves a shot at at, at, at playing yeah. uh, 150 games in the majors at least once to see if he Agreed. can do it. Agreed. But, like, I think that it's so bad that people are making it out to be like, oh, this guy is the next Jim Tomey. Yeah, he's cause... not Jose Abreu, guys. I'm sorry. The situation's so bad that people are, are forced to believe that or are making it – It's making maybe I'm exaggerating, but it seems like people are, like, on the Bobby Bradley train so hard because things are so bad that it's almost going to make it impossible for him to even – Live up to it. Be – Right, like you're, you're. It's so bad. You're making out to be like this guy is he, the savior. He, no lie, because he's always produced in like the minors and like he did in spring training this year. He deserves a chance, as that is a reason number one, and B, as in reason number two, is every time they've either asked him to lose or gain weight because they want him to be at a certain specific thing, he does it. So there was one time they're like, "Hey, we need you to lose weight." So he went like keto, I think, or whatever, you know, and he got too skinny. 
So then they're like, hey, we need you to bulk up for the next season. So he bulked up again. And they're like, you're bulked up just a tad bit too far. Can you make it more lean mass? So this offseason, he makes it like a really like lean, mean, like powerful, skinny Bobby Bradley, which is what the team asked him to do. He just deserves it just for the credit of that alone. Plus, he's still producing. So right, he might not yeah. produce at the major leagues, but he deserves the shot. Yeah, absolutely. But I just, I just, when he comes, when he, I mean, I, I'm confident we're going to see Bobby Bradley this year. I want to confident. I'm sure we will at some point. The way Jake Bowers is going, there's no way we're not going to see Bobby Bradley. But I think it's still fair to say let's 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 temper expectations. Like right. this guy is not going to come up and hit 30 home runs and 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 be a an, an all star first baseman. Like I don't even know if he's going to be a league average first baseman because he doesn't make enough contact, but at least give the guy a chance to hit a normal rookie expectation and not act like he is the second coming of, of Jim Tomey. Like, man, we have to really when call you, uh, When you said that w- there's no long-term answer in Jake Bowers, I just Im- immediately my brain pictured to him hitting two home runs tomorrow. That w- don't mean anything. That's absolutely going to happen. Who's pitching tomorrow? I don't even know. It's absolutely going to happen. It's absolutely uh, happening. <laughs> or, or Saturday. Or, or Saturday off Garrett Cole. Saturday yeah, you should hit Garrett two Cole. runs off Garrett Cole and get to stay here until July 1st. <laughs> um, did you did you watch Tuesday's game? Did you get a chance to watch Dan Hentges? I did. I, did. So I loved him. I can, so, I mean, I, I know can, it's my yeah, parents, but ahead. I loved him. Yeah, what, what did you What did you think? Because I have a whole rant of uh, evaluation that I gave – um, on a quick post game, but go ahead. Go off, King. No, you go ahead. I want to hear what you think first. I mean, he struck out the side, didn't he? That's it, but that's my whole thing. He did. Yeah, he, he struck out the side. He, he struck out the damn side. He gave up a home run to the reigning MVP on a oh, not wow. the not he the worst up, pitch in the up, world. He gave up a home run to Jose Abreu, but struck out the side. DFA him. Should we, should we should we DFA him? Like it's DFA him. Yeah, no. DFA he struck out the side. He has he's a really live fastball. Like I I enjoyed it a lot. I'm lefty bias, as everybody knows. Yeah, ninety six. And again, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go into two rants again. Patience and stop, stop creating expectations that are unrealistic. So ninety six, ninety seven from the left side is awesome. Like I'll say, I said this on the post game. When I saw, I think you probably watched him in 2019 too. Because I know you went to a lot of afternoon games. When, when he was starting in Akron in 2019, like, Henches was 93, 95. Yeah. And he didn't have good fastball command. Working on developing his cutter, which I don't think he even threw on Thursday because he doesn't need it out of the bullpen. And he still didn't have, like, a really plus-breaking pitch. Like, everyone's talking about, oh, Sam Henches, six foot seven left-handed who throws 97 miles an hour. Andrew Miller, part two. Andrew Miller had went through a lot of struggles before he became Andrew Miller, a lot. Yeah, he was and, a terrible, terrible right. starting pitcher. So, so first of all, can Sam Hentges make like you know five or six appearances before we're like, oh, Andrew Miller, Andrew Miller, Andrew Miller? And second of all, in in minors, my biggest knock on Hentges was this: he didn't have what I would call like that. I, I know, I know, it took a while for Andrew Miller to develop the Andrew Miller slider. But right now, Sam Hanches doesn't have that pitch. Like his curveball was good for strikes on Thursday, he or Tuesday. Uh, yeah. The White Sox have never seen him before, and it's it's a tough pitch to yeah. pick up. It's a tough pitch, but he gets through five or six appearances, and there's some game tape on him from the majors. Right. Those hitters are going to make him throw the curveball for a strike 
before they swing it like that again. So yeah, I mean, agree, agree to disagree a little bit because Zach McAllister ended up having a whole career throwing one pitch. Um, so I mean, it okay. wasn't a great career, but like he had a career. But we want him to be better than Zach McAllister. That's what I'm saying. I do we want, want him to be better than <laughs> Zach McAllister, but it's it's like well he won't be able to stay up because he throws just his fastball. Like if he ends up even having an average breaking ball, I could see him succeeding because he has 97 from the left side. I, I don't disagree with that. My only, my only knock on that is that it's a very straight fastball. He doesn't have a lot of movement. Doesn't have a lot of spin. I have to, I don't double check that, but the fastball doesn't have a lot of rise or sink on it. Like I, I've always felt like his fastball has been very straight. So even, even 97 straight is still not, it's still a straight fastball, and it's dangerous if you don't locate it. Um, let's see if the spin was any good. The spin, yeah, the spin was 2,200, so that's, that's okay. It's not great. Um, he averaged 95 with the fastball, 94.8. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need you to have a little bit of uh, patience and my guy Sammy here, all right? Oh, fine. I guess I can, I can <laughs> do that. Right. I can do that. Um, yeah. So I, I think there are still things to work out with him. Like I, that's why he's like our, I, I think some people were like, Oh man, he's only the 33rd prospect for, for IBI and, and so low everybody else is high on him. I'm still low on him as a starter because of what I saw in 2019, 2019. Oh, he's not, a, he's not a starter. He's definitely, I don't think he, he is either. Have the, he doesn't even have the makeup of a starter. That That's the other yeah. issue. That, that's why I'm concerned. Concerned. That is my, thing I want to see happen with him, the development here, because when he was a starter in 2019 for Akron, every t- when there were runners on base and things kind of, you know, got out of control for him or he got some bad luck, he had a hard time reining it in. Like, he, he, there were times he would get to the fifth or sixth inning and two or three guys would get on base and give him a run, and that was it. He couldn't recover. Like, he just, you know, that was – he was done. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be – if you're going to be a high-leverage reliever, you've got to be able to come in and shut, thing, shut the door and – and get out, got out with guys on base already that aren't even your fault. Um, that's and this is all about development. Like you said, it's patience. I'm just I'm just trying to set some real expectations for this young guy. Like he's 24. Let's and he hasn't even pitched above Double A. I know he's been in the. It's you know there was no season last year, but you know before we anoint him the next Andrew Miller, there are, there are so still I things live, I want to see. So I live. Uh about 1.5 miles from the Akron ballpark. Um, and I've seen uh, Bieber over there. I've seen Clevenger over there. And I know tickets are on sale uh, on their website now. So I'm very excited to be getting back into what your and my bread and butter is to go see these minor league games in person again. So I'm, I'm pretty pretty excited about that. I know that was pretty random, but now that you said – you had mentioned double A. All I could think of was going back to an Akron game because I live so close to it. Oh, I can't wait. I'm, it's two weeks away. I can't wait. I'm, I'm ready for the first night. All right. So we talked about Sam Henches. Tonight, Jordan Luplo led off against the right-hander. He's playing against right-handers, it seems like now, and, and he even led off against one. I don't think he did anything tonight. He had a, he had a walk and three strikeouts. So it wasn't a great night, but uh, how do you feel about a Jordan Luplo thing as right handers and B, how do you feel about him? I get maybe I don't know if this is going to continue, but how do you feel about him being potentially the regular leadoff hitter for the time being? I mean, if they can figure out what something with their whole rotation of like him and Ezra Rosario and Luplo, I'd be more happy. But I said two things already 
that Luplo had like the fourth highest OPS against left-handed pitching since like four seasons ago or th- whatever time he came up with Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Like it was like the fourth highest OPS versus left-handed pitching. And now he's hitting righties too. And everyone's like, oh no, we got rid of Naquin and he's doing good. Guess who has a higher OPS than Tyler Naquin? Jordan Luplo. So Oops. just uh, honestly, nah, I shouldn't say it. I want to say some swear words, but I won't. But he's good. He's a very good baseball player. And if he keeps hitting the way he does, he deserves every day at bats. He's a pretty decent defender. He's doing pretty good in the leadoff position. He sees pitches, high enough OPS, high enough batting average, hits for power. Uh, I don't know what else people want from Jordan Luplo. I really don't. I understand, once again, it's also April, and he has uh, like a career batting average of 234. He's also never really had a shot. He's always been a platoon player. So, considering that this team is most likely a 500 baseball team this year, why not give him the five or 600 plate appearances? He probably is going to end up hitting 25 home runs. I'm down. Yes. So, I mean, if you gave me a choice right now as a betting man, who's going to end up having the better, like, war or home run totals or better OPS at the end of the season, Tyler Naquin or Jordan Luplo, I'm probably putting my whole down payment on a house on Jordan Luplo, to be honest with you. Because I've seen one guy have sustained success versus one type of pitching and not really get the chance. I've seen the other guy get the chance before when he's healthy. And, I mean, he's a pretty average platoon right fielder who's playing at a small ballpark right now. The NL will figure him out. Uh, So far, lefties haven't figured out Jordan Luplo. You can ask the same guy that we brought up for the Chicago White Sox, who's over in Japan right now, if he ever figured out Jordan Luplo. He left the country. He loved the country. He ruined that guy's family's whole life. Yeah, he had to offer his entire family to continue pitching because Jordan Luplo. I can't believe we always talk about that. Jordan Luplo ruined some guy's whole family's life because he hit like six bombs off of him. I mean, I hear playing in the Japanese league is pretty is pretty good. Like I think I don't doubt it. He's probably making good money over there. Once again, I love when I make fun of a baseball player. And then I also want people to realize those guys are having a way better life than I am right now. And I have a good life. They still have a better life than I do. And they're, and they're still pretty good at baseball because they play yeah. the major leagues. Right. Yeah, but exactly. Literally, but if literally they come find me. If they come find me in my co-ed league and tank me 500 feet, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> yeah. But literally Jordan Luplo, after that game, I think Manny Benuelos was DFA and he hasn't pitched the major since, but yeah, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. Like <laughs> Cesar Hernandez had three hits tonight, but if he's if he's been struggling, um, if he doesn't, is he not? If he's not going to be the leadoff hitter, I just don't see any other options on this team that makes sense. Like I, I would, I'd like to see maybe Andre Jimenez hit leadoff, but I realize they're also probably not going to do that because he's basically a rookie or doesn't know. Full I, know That's fine. I know Hernandez is. Well, he told the team specifically he's most comfortable in the two hole, but if it's like June and he's still a bit hitting a buck 90, I honestly thought they should go one, two of Luplo and then Jimenez and then move Hernandez down to seven or eight. That's fine. That's fine. I, I'm just saying if Hernandez isn't going to be a leadoff hitter, I think even, okay, before he struggled this year, I would say he made the most sense as a leadoff hitter because he runs fairly well, but if he's not going to be the leadoff hitter and they're not going to put, I like, Andres Jimenez maybe is worth worth trying there against right-handers. Like maybe maybe don't leave 
against right-handers, but play him against right-handers. But if it's not going to be Jimenez and it's not going to be Hernandez, I guess put Lupo there. I don't care. Whatever. That's fine. It doesn't, it, it doesn't, after those two options, it doesn't really make a difference, does it? Like, it's not Ben Gamble. No. Uh, if, yeah, if it's, it's not Carlos Gonzalez. Right. Like, it doesn't. So, I, I'm with you. Let's let's see Jordan, you know, a season's worth of plate appearances versus right-handers and see what happens. I'm, I'm not – I'm not in love with the against right-handed pitching, but also I also realize that outside of Fernandez not wanting to hit leadoff and Jimenez being young, I'm fine with it for the time being because the options just aren't there. It's the best uh, power that's come out of the outfield in Pittsburgh since, what, Jason Bay? I mean, gave up on him too quickly. What's that? Andrew McCutcheon had 30 home runs for them once. Oh, I keep forgetting about McCutcheon. How do you forget uh, about the NL MVP? I know, and I like him a lot. I always forget about him, though. I love, you go I love tweet at Andrew McCutcheon right now. I apologize. I, w- I should, because I really do like him. He, oh, his Twitter God. account is hilarious. I don't know if he tweets He's as much funny. anymore, but he used to be fun. Yeah, yeah he was fun. You, you go right now. Did, didn't we, didn't um, we uh, trade Jordan Luplo for Eric Gonzalez? Sure did, and Tanash Thomas. What a terrible, one what a terrible trade that was for them. And uh, dude, I remember when we made that trade, we're like, "Wow, what a stupid trade by Cleveland." Well, looks like we won that one. I I never thought Eric Gonzalez was going to hit enough to be a good regular. Uh, he was always a utility infielder. Yeah. That was all he ever was. That's still uh, that's fine. He, that's all he is. Right. Jordan Luplo. Jordan Luplo might be a fringe average major league outfielder that that's a lot more valuable than a, uh, a nice utility player. We'll see what happens to Tanash Thomas, who is the, the right trade, who's been one of their best. But for now right. it looks good. Um, let's, 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 let's do some rapid fire stuff and get out of here. Cause it's been, it's been a long one. Um, it looks like Emmanuel class A is the closer right now. And, and James Karen is coming in in, earlier high leverage spots. So they went from having no roles defined in the bullpen to class days to close their care and check basically pitches the eighth or any, any situation before that would struggle. And now Nick Wickren and Cal Quantrill and Phil Mates. And well, I'm not going to rope Phil Maton in because he's barely pitched. So I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to excuse Phil Maton for now based on rust and see what happens. I'm going to reserve the right to change my opinion if he continues to stink. But um, are you are you happy with the way the bullpen's going outside of Wickren and Quan? Happy with how it seems to be that the roles have kind of been defined, even though it's only April and we thought that wasn't going to be I've, the case. Uh, I have mixed I have mixed signals on this. I know we were tweeting about this a little bit starting the podcast. Uh, <laughs> I'm most concerned about going reverting back to the early Tito years of the Indians and just overusing guys. I think he has a tendency to do that, who are his most reliable pitchers. Uh, so that's what I'm a little bit nervous about, considering that these guys have such defined positions that are pitching so often, it feels like, so far. And I know you ended up showing me the innings, and it wasn't that much. But if this team is able to compete, those innings will only go up, considering if the other guys are actually unreliable. And that's kind of where I was at tonight. Trust me, like I understand Wickren – probably shouldn't have pitched in that high of a leverage situation against the Yankees good hitters. But at the same time, he sort of should have because you can't just rely the whole season off of Karen check and class a. So that's kind of where I'm, I have a mixed bag on it. 
I've been impressed by Karen check. I've been impressed by Brian Shaw. I have been impressed uh, by class a um, those other guys, I think will be fine. They've really struggled. Lloyd grins kind of teetered on the, the aspect of the word suck this year so far. Like he has like 10 hits, six runs. Like it's not great so far. Um, I got a, a kind of a mixed feeling on the bullpen so far, Justin. Yeah, I'm with you. It's not good that the bullpen struggled. I, I think we thought that was going to be one of the best parts of this team and it was going to save them. And I think in, in some situations it saved them this year. Like the first one or two outings, Nick Whitgren was was pretty solid. This is your standard Nick Whitgren. Like he wasn't great, but he was good. And I and I was fine with them going to Whitgren in low leverage spots. Like if you wanted to like this is how the scenario I think worked. If if there's a jam in the seventh inning or the one, two, three hit the seventh inning, like they did today against New York. And against New York, it was two, three, four in the seventh inning. They went to Nick Wick. That should have been Karen Shack. If if you go thank you, Aaron Judge and um who hit I don't think it was Stan. I don't know who hit Mike Ford hit cleanup for them tonight. Okay. That's weird. Um but if you bring in Karen Shack versus those guys that's a good situation. That's their, the heart of their order. It's the seventh inning. It's a tie game. And if he goes one, two, three, the eighth inning is Torres, Hicks, Odor. Not six, seven, eight. Or five, six, seven, I should say. You bring in class A against them because that's the that's still a good their order. And if he goes one, two, three, the ninth inning is seven, eight, nine. Or I'm sorry, is eight, nine, one like you can trust I don't know I don't know if that's true but I don't agree I just don't okay because I still like if he if he's been bad so far this year and you bring him in later into the game it doesn't mean he sucks any less in the eighth and he does in the sixth I mean but, yes it's definitely not Giancarlo Stanton but it's still a the New York Yankees and b major league hitters and DJ LeMay would have hit in that inning like if he if he walks one hitter then one and two are up. Like it's just, I don't think he sucks any less. Okay. How about, how about this? How about Karen Shack goes against two, three, four plus a goes against five, six, seven. And Brian Shaw goes against eight, nine, one. Yeah. I like that. Okay. That's my, that's my, it's not the inning that matters. Obviously, you know, this, it's not the inning that matters. I I, I agree with that point. I just don't like tonight. Tonight was uh, the bat. Like, yeah, Nick Whitgren's been bad. I think there maybe there's a chance there they should relegate him to uh, mop up duty and let him work him, himself back into being an average reliever. But tonight was a problem. They brought Whitgren in the seventh, and he then brought James Karinchak in to clean up his mess. But they were already losing. Like you just that was the opposite of what we thought they were going to do. Like we thought that coming into yeah. the season it was it was going to be aren't chained to the to the or the closer position there but do we even, able talk, to do we even talk about this do we even talk about this if, if wickering goes like one two three like we don't even discuss this pitching like well he should have pitched this person this time and this person that time if he does that i feel like i said I, in the tweet that i sent to caleb it's april baseball you live to learn um i don't necessarily believe in this guy is designated to serve a certain role in an inning but that's where I'm at. I'm like, 
you sort of just have to see what you have in your other pitchers because you can't literally just pitch Heroncheck and Class A against the best hitters in every inning, in every game you're closing because you're going to have no arm at the end of the season. You're just going to have to throw these guys in leverage situations and see what you have. Same thing where you have to, like, watch Josh Naylor struggle against Garrett Cole. <laughs> if that ever happens. Yeah, he's going to get sent down tomorrow. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. If, if Wicker gets on it, maybe we don't. But, again, this is a situation result. I right. still I, – I know I know they need to have another pitcher – behind Klaus and Karinczyk. I know they can't just have 75 innings from those guys and have nobody else and be, have those guys be beat at the end of the year. But if you're going to put a tie in a tie game against the two, three, four hitters, I still want one of them versus Nick Whitgren. Maybe, maybe you could argue they brought Brian Shaw in too soon and they should start using him where they've been using Whitgren and, and go there. So I would just say, I'm, st- I'm still just upset over the process. I still, yeah. I still want to see those two have the highest leverage innings when possible. A game where you could do that. They were off yesterday. I think, I think a lot of it will, will be boiled over to us being more relaxed if they can find that number three pitcher. I honestly think that's what it's going to come down to. Because most games, you usually got to get through that fifth and sixth inning. So, like, we're never really going to blame games on the fifth or sixth inning. But, like, seventh, eighth, and ninth, and I really don't care about the rotation of it. But they need that third pitcher. They can't rely off the two innings off the same two guys. They really need that third guy to be able to come in. You're like, well, this guy's definitely going to notch down the seventh or the ninth or the eighth. Like, you're going to just need that extra guy. They don't have it right now. I mean, Brian Shaw is solid. He's also old and has a lot of had a lot of miles on the road. So That's fine. Yeah, Maybe give Nick Wicker a break being part of that rotation of high leverage and give him some more mop-up time. Swap in Brian Shaw. Give Phil Maton a chance. Like, Phil Maton. Yeah, give Phil Maton a chance. And, like, you know, Sam Hentzers is up, and, you know, you're trying to see what you have with him. I still think, and this is just my personal opinion, Kyle Nelson should be on this roster compared to Oliver Perez. I know what I have in Oliver Perez. He is, I mean, he's literally reduced to mop up duty and lost games at this point, and then he just collects a check. He's literally getting service time from Tito for some reason. I don't know why. He's just getting a paycheck. Uh, just see what you have in Kyle Nelson, please. Yeah, I agree. Nothing against Perez. I, I'm definitely on board with you there. I think Kyle Nelson makes sense. Uh, it's just going to be one of those cases where if you bring him up, just, you know, don't expect that he's going to be. Fine. But like, all yeah, Perez is 40. Is he at the 40? He's 41. I think he's 40. Yeah, 40. I mean, you know what? He's had an awesome career. Shout out to him. Looks great in bivocals on the mound. Great hair <laughs> still. You know, Silver Fox. Whatever you want to say about the damn guy. Great. He's throwing 78 on his off speed. throwing 87 <laughs> on his fastball. Um, he's pitching in literally all games that are losses when it doesn't matter. Just he's just wasting a roster spot if you ask me. I'm sorry, Oliver. I don't mean it personally, but I'm ready for the young guy to come in. Yeah, he. I mean, he. Yeah, he hasn't like pitched himself off the team. It's just like you said. It's he. Okay, he's 39. He won't turn 40 till. I'm sure some team could find a spot for him in the bullpen. But I think you're right. Like Kyle Nelson, if 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 Oliver Perez is pitching in games where the Indians are down six to three in the eighth inning and. He's just trying to keep it close. Yeah, I'd rather see if Kyle Nelson can do Oliver Perez. I totally agree with you there. Um, Cal Quantrill struggling still bothers me. They got to figure that out. Someone best reliever, and I guess right now it's Brian Shaw, but 
yeah, give it's Nick Wickren a break, and and it is insane. Life doesn't make sense. It doesn't. Um, <clears throat> you know what does make sense is Cleveland's going to put Shane Bieber on Saturday against Garrett Cole, and that's going to put him between Tristan McKenzie and Logan Allen in the rotation. So that way, if those guys are only going four or five innings to pop, you have your ace in between to help out the bullpen and, again, possibly yeah. stop a losing streak. That makes sense. And then makes sense. we're going to Cole and Shane Bieber Saturday. That can't, can't get any better. <sighs> I'm, I'm, Although, I'm pissed. I am pissed because I had Saturday tickets, and I transferred them for Sunday tickets. Oh. And I'm upset about it. You win some, you lose some. Yeah. It may not matter. Look, the forecast for Saturday doesn't look great. So Yeah, man. Maybe you'll they, they push Push back their start a day, baby. I would just play a doubleheader Sunday and let Shane Bieber throw a seven-inning complete game. You don't think I won't get trashed out of doubleheader on Sunday? Come on. Take a hangover into work? Come on. Absolutely, I'm going to do that. You might see you might see Shane Bieber throw a seven-inning complete game. That's, that's fine. Why not? 19 strikeouts out of 21 outs? I mean, the Yankees. The, unfortunately, unfortunately, the Yankees' struggling offense looked better tonight against Cleveland's pitching. I hope that Shane Bieber is good enough to stop them because they Yankees' offense has been terrible. I year. know, we, I know, we have to wrap this up, but can I just state to the point? Yes. Just because I think he's an annoying little pest. Can Brett Gardner yes. retire already? Who's more annoying, Brett Gardner or, or Adam Eaton? Yes. <laughs> yeah adam in with those dustin pedroyas of the world yes to all of them they're all all paying yeah i I 100 agree with you at least at least adam eaton got suspended for his actions finally someone did i saw him he can't saw i saw jake bowers got fined in that and i was like he's he's getting hit more he's getting more hits off the field than he's getting on the field yeah that's just insulting that's not very nice Um, until the end of the month, I think we're gonna have what one more podcast for the end of April. Uh-huh. We do one next thir- next Thursday. Uh, you and I last podcast both said that by the end of April, Cleveland will still be five hundred because remember they're in, they're in a tough stretch. Uh-huh. They just played the Reds, who are off to a good start, even though it might not be uh, sustainable. They're playing the Yankees, they're playing the Twins, and they're playing the White Sox. Twins tough suck. Strength. They do suck. They do suck right now. So, are you sticking with the Indians will still be 500 by the end of April? Yeah, I think they're literally going to be exactly 500. I don't know if they can be based on games played, but um, I'll still say they're going to be they're going to be either more above one game. Yeah, if it's if it's a, a game above or a game below, I'm counting both as 500. Yeah, I'm with you there. I don't think it'll be any worse than one game below. So, uh, we'll revisit that next Thursday. That'll be Y'all April. Better- wait for that podcast after in May when we say it's not April anymore. All hell breaks loose. Yeah, it's not. It's not. April 29th is not. That'll be the last podcast for the end of the month. So we have one more week to still think we can be right. But once, yeah, once, <laughs> May, once May hits, everything's real. The season's yeah. real once May hits. The takes will be going. They'll be going and cut bait and worry or don't be worried. I don't know. All right. Well, we've rambled long if you got this far, um, if you got this far, you already follow me on Twitter, let's be honest. But if you don't, JL underscore baseball. Uh, Spencer's at SC Carlson 29. Or S Carlson, not SC Carlson. S- uh, yeah, S Carlson. <laughs> uh, official IBI for the account on Twitter. And then next month, May 4th, finally, we get to cover minor league baseball again. Stay tuned.
subscribe if you're ready for minor league baseball coverage. We will have that coming and starting in May. I can't wait. Spencer, thanks for rambling with me all night, and thanks for everybody listening. We will get back to you next week with more terrible takes and great droppings. We'll be right back.